Wentz was that. Hello, and welcome back to the Football Fools Podcast, episode 12 today, the number one football podcast in the great state of Colorado, Westminster area. Going to kick it to John today with the first topic. Yeah, sure thing, guys. We're going to start off this week talking about the Saints and Falcons game. Uh, they played just a couple weeks ago, but we had where uh, New Orleans was able to pull out another victory. Taysom Hill continues undefeated as the starter, just as everyone would have predicted. Uh, a 21 to 10 victory for the Saints. And we're going to kick it over to Mark, to, uh, our uh, in house Saints fan, to see what his thoughts were on the game today. So this was another big win for the Saints, and by that, I mean it helped us clinch a uh, playoff spot. So we were the first team to officially do that this year, which I think is pretty awesome, especially over uh, those undefeated Steelers. So that's kind of cool. But as far as, like, Saints analysis goes, uh, it just showed we're one of those teams that's still streaky in a lot of senses. Uh, We're hot and cold. We started the game off playing pretty well, and then we just decided to to let the Falcons come back. And at (laughs) one point, I thought we were going to lose the game. Um, That Taysom Hill fumble was a big momentum changer. And then he almost fumbled again, but he was lucky it went out of bounds. So we just continue to shoot ourselves in the foot and not really play complete games, which is going to be dangerous when we get in the playoffs. Can I ask you the obvious looming question that everybody's thinking about right now? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, did Adam Troutman do anything to help his MVP and future Hall of Fame uh, race today? You know, he had two big catches uh, for his only two targets, to be honest. And I feel like we're trying to save him for the playoffs. We don't want to show other teams what we have there. So we're trying not to target him too much. Um, I would like to point out that, yes, Jared Cook had a touchdown, but he also had a big drop on fourth and seven. I saw um, it. Yeah, Adam Troutman wouldn't have done that, you know. When he's when he's catching 100% of the balls thrown his way, you know, he's just unstoppable. So, Hall of Fame like numbers. Well, Adam Troutman had 14 touchdowns last year, so he's like, Jared Cook, we'll, we'll let you have one, man. It's not a big deal. Yeah, he, he's, he's saving himself. He's kind of pulling a LeBron here, and he's waiting for the finals, you know. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to showcase his talents too early. Just as people would say, Adam Troutman is built different. Yeah, he's built different. He really is. Glad you brought up the comparison to LeBron James because that's what I was going to compare him to as far as, of course, physical stature and as well as athleticism. So I'm glad you said that. It needs to be known. needs to be said more. Yeah, we have Alberto, who's like the MJ, and then Adam Troutman, who's the LeBron. Who's better? It's hard to say. It'll all come down to rings in the future. Exactly. I, I look forward to the Alberto last dance. Yes. Yes, very much so. I think we're we're actually going to be uh, commentators on that, so that would be pretty cool. Well, seeing as how we're obviously uh, – we have a, a Saints fan on the podcast, um, I would like to talk about my danger zone of the week, and that's going to be Matt Ryan. And they just suck. Matt Ryan has looked – I mean, every year every, – it's, every, it's almost an, uh, like a – an annual swap. You're going to get Super Bowl or like league MVP, Matt Ryan. And the, the, every other year you're going to get Matt Ryan. We're seeing now he's putting up less than uh, 15 fantasy points a week. He's absolutely demolishing me. And he always plays well against like nobody teams, like the teams that are in the middle of the pack. 
Uh, but good teams and bad teams both, he ends up sucking, and it's absolutely demolishing my fantasy season. Luckily, I have good players around my fantasy team, but Matt Ryan's mid danger zone for the week. I think he could be gone after this year. There, what what real reason do they have? If they can get a higher draft pick or trade up to get someone they think that could be the future, what is the point of keeping Matt Ryan around? Uh, you're paying him – he's got a, the first or the second highest-paid player on that team for sure. Oh, he, he's easily the highest. He's one of the highest-paid players in the entire league. But is it is he like – getting paid more than Julio. I mean, Oh yeah. Oh, he's making okay. like 30 plus million a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, and that's exactly what, that's exactly what I mean. If you're paying this dude and you know, you're not paying really anybody else on the deep on the team, not even the defense, just the team in general. Um, what's the point of keeping him around? He's just sucking up money. You're wasting money because he's not performing and not doing anything. Um, and if you can find a young guy that you potentially believe in, uh, maybe keep Matt there for another year for like a bridge or something. But I just don't see the reason why you wouldn't move off him at this point. And, and I would say that to follow up on you, they're actually a team. If you did move to a cheaper quarterback and you could do that thing where you, you had a cheaper quarterback and you could kind of commit your resources to the defense. Yeah. They have a really good offense with a, a lot of pieces in place already. Mm-hmm. And so like, honestly, like Ron, I still think like he could have a good run somewhere else, maybe for a couple of years, but I, I think they are in a really good position to move on, and now might be the time to do that. Well, especially with the coaching change too. Do, do you agree with that, Mark, or do you think do you see Atlanta holding on to him a little longer? Uh, I hope they hold on to him for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he just he reminds me kind of of Matthew Stafford, where he may How be the worst quarterback who can throw for five thousand yards, if that makes sense. Um. And I know you're all high on Stafford because you want him to go to the Broncos, but honestly, I I don't see much of a difference between these two. They both put up a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns here and there, um, or at least they'll have their years where they do, but the wins don't really reflect it. Okay, well, if you're comparing the two, first of all, it's not. Uh, one's wife is way more outspoken on social media, and it's not Matt Ryan. So I don't like <laughs> to compare the two. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. They're both, uh, middle of the pack quarterbacks for sure. But I think, think, I just think Stafford has more upside. Well, and I, and I think their situations are similar, but Stafford is a couple years younger and he does still have a live arm. And I think those are the, the main differentiators between those two guys. Like I could see Stafford going to a second team and signing a three or four year extension and playing that out successfully. Whereas Ryan, I feel like he's like a one and done or a two and done at best at this point. So I guess question for both of you guys, obviously me and John have said it, uh, or maybe John said, and I just agreed, but um, we both think Stafford would be Stafford would be a good uh, next year quarterback for the Broncos. If what I just said comes true, um, where do you think is a good, a good landing spot potentially for Matt Ryan if they do decide to move on from him? I think that's interesting to talk about. Hmm. Um, maybe the Jags if they don't end up getting a quarterback in the draft. Okay, yep, not terrible. Uh, I could see, like I said, I hope Stafford goes to the Broncos and if that happened and he wasn't available, if somehow the – let's say the Patriots weren't able to resign Cam Newton after this year and they wanted to go back to a little more of a, you know, NFL offense where you can throw the football more. I realized they, they won resoundingly today. So that, that might not sound great, but that, that might be the, that might be a good situation for them. Uh, but, but also like 
and it's a little bit different, but some, maybe even somewhere else indoors or at least where there's good weather, because I, I do think the arm is an issue. And he, oh, how about this? The Colts. Like if, yeah. if Philip Rivers doesn't come back, Matt Ryan could be a guy they move on to. And they've got the ready-made offensive line. They've got good weapons. Uh, so I guess I would change my answer to the Colts for Ryan. So while I agree with what you guys both said, uh, Mark actually took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say Jags. But then I thought about it for 10 seconds, and I really think that every week or everybody probably has any random quarterback going to the Jags or the uh, or the uh, what do you say Colts? Yeah, yeah. everybody yeah. has. I've had multiple going to the Colts. See, that's what I'm saying. Everybody is like a good fit with the Colts because they have a good line, a decent offense, really good defense, and the Jags are just the team that's going to take anybody at this point that's better than what they have. Um, but I think a good a good spot for for uh, someone like Matt Ryan would be the Bears. Yeah. They have a, an amazing defense, um, and while their team is losing a lot of games right now, um, it's not because of the defense. Uh, they're in a similar situation with the Broncos where they have a really good defense and their offense is just lackluster and super boring and super stagnant. Um, it, it would be interesting. I, I, I got to think Matt Ryan's an upgrade over Nick Foles or oh, Mitch Trubisky at this point. I mean, one has been in the Super Bowl and the other two have not. So um, it would be. I think that would be a good fit for him too. And uh, not the most impossible thing I could think of. No. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so guys, any, any, uh, any closing thoughts on the saints before we move off to our next game? I, I will say right quick, uh, since, since I haven't really given my thoughts a lot on new Orleans, uh, I, I feel like their team that they just have the regular season figured out, like Sean Payton knows how to navigate that. And he doesn't, he's proven year after year. He doesn't necessarily need his starting quarterback. He's going to figure out a way to do what they need to do and put them in good position. And, and right now, especially in the NFC, looking like they're heading towards the number one seed. It's looking like Drew Brees is progressing and, and getting better. If he's able to come back, Saints are, are really looking awesome. And and once again, it, it seems like – I heard this joke earlier this week, but it, it was proven true once again. Cam Jordan basically goes to the Pro Bowl based off of sacking Matt Ryan four to six times <laughs> a season. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, it, this game, I, I guess it, it wasn't really unexpected at all, but a, another impressive uh, win for the Saints to move, move closer to the one seed. Yeah, I uh... – I definitely agree. It, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what the Saints do. I just hope they don't get some random, um, you know, miracle in Minnesota play again that happens to them, like what seems to happen for the last three years. Because I'm a huge Drew Brees supporter, so I hope they do finally get to go to the Super Bowl and he gets to win one like Peyton did and walk off. Totally. Well, guys, let's uh, let's move off to our next game of the game of of the day. Uh, another one with some playoff implications. A couple of teams. Uh, we had the Tennessee Titans, who are leading their division. Cleveland Browns, who have been a surprising team so far this year, going eight and three. Today they moved to nine and three. If you looked at if you looked at the box score, it looked like this was a close game, but the the, the Browns just absolutely dominated Tennessee in the first half. Mayfield looked probably the best that he's looked as a pro. Um, and, and we kind of talked about the playoff road potential of the Browns last week. And I, I think that was something that was shown today. They went and faced a division leading team and they were able to come away with a pretty solid convincing victory. So I feel like really good sign for the Browns today. Uh, Justin, what were your takeaways from this game? So basically what you just said, but the, the biggest things that stood out to me 
where uh, they didn't have to win with their running game, which is what everybody's been pointing to uh, for them, like they're as their recipe for the Browns to win is their running game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Um, it they wanted, I mean, they were absolutely dominating the, the Titans in the first half of the of the game, and it's kind of interesting because later on down the road. We already talked about last week how the, the blueprint to beat the Colts seems to be running the run game. And uh, we're always worried about the Browns defense. The Browns defense shut down the best running back in the, in the NFL today and potentially hurt him. So uh, we don't know what, really what's going on there. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with Derrick Henry in the coming weeks, especially going into the playoffs uh, in a couple weeks. But it says a lot about the Browns defense, how they're able to shut down basically the best run game in the NFL and then also win with passing more than running. Uh obviously Nick Chubb had a hundred yards all purpose. Um, I think it was like 18 receiving and 80 rushing and uh, cream hunt didn't have a spectacular game, but they were able to win through the air, which is a big knock on them generally with Baker uh, and without Odo Beckham, it says a lot to me. Yeah, totally. Why, what were your uh, takeaways from the Browns and Titans today? Um, to me, this was like the first test. Uh, in a while for the Browns where I was like, all right, if they can convincingly win this game, I will start to take them seriously. And I know their defense has been good the last few weeks, but in today the box office doesn't necessarily score or show it because they gave up a lot of garbage time points. But this game was not close until the end. Yeah. And it never seemed like the Browns were going to lose. Their defense played for real. And now that the defense is clicking, everything rests on Baker Mayfield. If he stays hot like this, they're a serious team. But I just don't trust him to stay hot like this, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, well, he said – he did say – he kind of pulled an Aaron Rodgers, and I forgot what week it was, but he did say something about uh, they're going to get hot at the right time. And as of right now, this is 100% the right time. They're uh, second in the division. The, and granted, the Ravens are probably going to end up winning their game against the Cowboys, at least I would assume. But if I was a betting man, and I am, I'm probably going to bet on them and then lose because that's what <laughs> happens to me. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that division plays out. I mean, I was talking to my coworkers the other day, and my, my manager is a Steelers fan. <clears throat> I'm fairly convinced that the Browns are going to go 13-3. and three, Or, sorry, the Steelers are going to go 13-3. and three. They're going to drop three, three games at the, towards the end of the season here because they really haven't played anybody uh, except for the Titans. Uh, that's a good team or a playoff team, but I think the Browns could potentially end up tying at the top of the division and would go to a tiebreaker. And the, one of the last games of the season is going to be the Browns and Steelers again. So it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out and uh, who ends up winning that one because it could potentially change the playoff race. That'd be crazy if that actually wound up being for the, the division at the end somehow. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think the the thing, thing today, like, Obviously, Baker played a little bit above his head or what we'd normally expect for him. But the, the Browns remind me – are starting to remind me just a little bit of another AFC North team that once upon a time went on kind of a crazy run. And I'm not predicting that this would happen. But if you think with the Ravens when they had Joe Flacco back a couple of years ago – or eight or nine years ago now, where all of a sudden they had a really good defense – they, they had some good weapons on the offense, but the quarterback was the question mark. And then all of a sudden, he just put it together in an incredible way for four games. Like, if Baker somehow replicated that, the Browns are at that stage where they could do something like that. Do I think it's going to happen? 
No, but they do have the right pieces in place. And what today was a little bit of a tease of what they could see in the future. If Baker is able to get to that level more often, that that's what they're able to do as a franchise now. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's going to be, uh, to me, they're the team. And I, I, I've been saying this for weeks, uh, going back to probably like episode three or four, honestly, um, saying that the Browns are, a, I think, a serious playoff team. And when we went, we did the pretender contender thing. I said they were uh, contenders and I stick by that. And I think they will be. Um, it's really all, I mean, every playoff game is about matchups and seeds and stuff like that. <clears throat> but uh, I think the Browns could, could surprise some people in the playoffs and Kevin Stefanski's no joke. I mean, John said it last week in saying that he's a potential, you know, coach of the year candidate. And a lot of people are saying it now, of course, that they're right behind the Steelers. If the Steelers have dropped a couple games, they could be first in the division right now. You know, um, if the Steelers had a good schedule, cause they've played literally nobody, I'll say it over and over. We're going to have Ryan uh, after uh, on the second part of the show to talk about it, but the Steelers have played nobody. Um, the Browns, in my opinion, have had tougher, tougher matchups. They've won tougher games. And it'll be interesting in the playoffs to see who they get matched up against because they will be in the playoffs. And if they face a team with a, a weaker offense or a, a suspect defense, they could, you know, get into the NFC or AFC championship potentially. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. As long as they don't play the Chiefs early on, I feel like they could be competitive in any game, any matchup in the AFC. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Uh all right, guys, let, let's move to our, our other main game that had some playoff implications today. Uh, we saw the Rams go to Arizona and defeat the Cardinals 38-28, to uh, kind of a high-scoring game. The Rams lately have had the Cardinals number. It was the seventh straight game that they've won against Arizona. McVay just seems to have them figured out. So if, that, if that's something that you knew of before the week, you would have known the Rams were a really good bet today. Uh, we, we saw uh, who we've talked about throughout the, the year, kind of Kyler Murray today, uh, earlier in the year, MVP candidate. Now the Cardinals kind of almost shockingly have dropped all the way back to 500. Uh, not something that you would expect. However, with some of the, with the surprising loss of the Seahawks that we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, Cardinals aren't totally out of it. Six and six. They have a couple of eight and four teams in the division. However, kind of like I've been on their coaching staff a little bit all year. I think it's going to show, I, I think the the teams in that division are starting to separate a little bit. Um, however, we, we saw the, the Rams who can be kind of a, a team that one week you could see them make it all the way to the Super Bowl with ease. The next week you could see them be a one and done and lose 38 to three. Um, that's just kind of the Jared Goff experience, but I'm going to kick it to, to Mark here and see what, what were your takeaways from this game? And and also, I think I, I failed to mention, does Kyler Murray look totally right? It seems like he's not running the ball as much lately. Um, it might be something injury-related, as we saw he hurt his shoulder a couple weeks ago. Does Murray look right? And what were your takeaways from this game? Um, so I'll start with the Murray thing. Yeah, I definitely noticed something was off with him. And I don't know if it's injury-related or not. Um, but he does not seem to be running the ball like he was early on. And that may just be because defenses are trying to take that away. I think teams are starting to catch on that if you take away Murray's running ability, he has to beat you with his arm, and he struggles with that. Um, I feel like the Cards and the Rams kind of have flip-flopped with how they're playing. Um, as of, Like if you were to divide the games we played so far in half, the Cards started out extremely hot. 
and the Rams were kind of sluggish. And now the Rams are hot and they're in first place in the West. When at one point we were like starting to count them out a little bit, not necessarily out of the playoffs, but out of winning the division. And they're leading it right now. I mean, yeah, that's a little bit of help from the Seahawks dropping horrible games that they shouldn't have, which I don't want to go into because it ruined my 12-game parlay. But but, um, I like to put this more on the Rams just playing well than the Cardinals playing bad. The Cardinals are playing kind of where I expected them to, and the Rams are performing a lot better than I expected. Yeah, agreed. I uh, My whole thing with, with the Cardinals right now is, like John said, I don't know if he's hurt, but it definitely seems like something's different with Kyler. And whether it's him being hurt or Kingsbury seeing him potentially get hurt that one game two weeks ago and dialing back his running plays, because what was it? Uh, three weeks ago, I guess three weeks ago was like his last uh, game where he ran a touchdown. But he had a, a running or rushing touchdown himself in almost every single game this year up until like the, ever, up until that game where he got hurt. And he hasn't – I haven't. I mean, we watched most of the game on red zone, so we didn't see everything in it. I didn't really see him run. Plus his arm, it's, it's kind of strange. They're completely like dead in the water, in, like on the offense at least, because he's not running. And then almost at the half, he was one for nine. Or what, was it one for nine? Is that what you said? I, yeah. I know he started one for six for sure. Six, yeah. okay. Well – the thing is, is that he didn't complete hardly any passes and except for like his one uh, fluke touchdown to Dan Arnold on a broken coverage where he just like was able to walk 40 yards into the end zone. Um, I, I don't know who to chalk that up to if it's Kingsbury trying to protect Kyler or Kyler being scared or being hurt or I, I don't know, or the offense offensive play calling. But it is strange to see him be one of the you know top three MVP favorites in the beginning of the year. Uh, with like Russ and Pat and oh, maybe four, I guess, with like Josh Allen or something. And then it was to drop off the face of the earth. And he's probably not even remotely in the conversation now. Uh, it's really strange. And um, I'm a little disappointed. But in my opinion now, because he's proven to be to, to, to start playing so poor and uh, Russ has lost a couple easy ones. I think that says something for Pat Mahomes. He's probably the MVP again. So clearly, yeah, totally. And we, yeah, we we kind of kind of touched on that last week. It definitely looked like Mahomes is the the favorite still. Um, but but another thing with the Cardinals, if you think about it, they're six and six. They're that hell Mary away from being five and seven, like yeah. being a losing team. Yeah. And, and like that that just shows how how quick the the middle of the season season and especially that third quarter kind of proves if your team's actually going to be someone that can advance on or if they need another year or not. Uh, but let's move on and talk about one last game with, uh, well, I guess that we have two other games with playoff Im- implications, but we're going to talk about one more before we take a break. And that that's the Giants upset of the Seahawks. Um, I feel like this was a surprising game. Let, let's try to zip through this a little faster than the first couple, because I don't feel like there were quite as many highlights, but, uh, it, it, the Giants have won four games in a, in a row, so I guess I'm going to kick this one to Justin. But at what point do we actually have to start crediting a team in the NFC East? They didn't have Daniel Jones today. They started the season one and seven. They've won four in a row, so that means they have not lost a game in over a month now. Uh, how much of this is the Giants improving versus Seattle losing kind of a inexplicable game at home? I think it's like a 60-40. I think it's the Seahawks, like 40%. Um dropping some easy games and I don't know what's going on there because they have DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson in a decent running game with Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson. So I don't understand 
the in they're not even losing games by having their defense scored on you know 40 30 40 points like they have recently um it's the lack of offense uh we we've known that their defense has been pretty terrible their uh, record record terrible actually like they're setting records for being one of the worst defenses in history and allowing the most points <clears throat> but when you have russ and he was a he was throwing five touchdowns and four touchdowns like weekly i don't think he's thrown more than two in like the last month probably like yeah. in a game so it's kind of, it's a, a big drop off there kind of like kyler um but there's really no excuse for that especially when you have dk and tyler lockett and a decent run game so i don't know what's what's going on there with that uh and the other 60 percent of the fall uh in that in that flip-flop on this game was going to be the Giants. Uh, buy, it seems like they're buying into Joe Judge, which is really cool because John's been really high on Joe Judge the entire year. Not not the entire year, but the last couple of weeks, he's definitely proven himself. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's been interesting. And then I saw an interview from Wayne Gallman that said that everybody really likes Joe Judge and that <clears throat> everybody's buying into him on the team and they really love him in the locker room. So that's kind of cool that they're playing hard for him when really the season seemed to be lost. And then they lose their quarterback and they lost their running back. Um, it's 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 an interesting uh, turn on that team because I, I think at the beginning of the year and they're, they're going to be my apology on for this week is is the Giants because at the beginning of the year uh, I think I had them on in my danger zone like two weeks back to back maybe three weeks because uh, I was ragging on them for being so terrible but um, some of the picks they've made kind of panned out and I've said. James Bradbury has been really good. And while he had a bad game against DK Metcalf, because basically everybody except for Jalen Ramsey uh, does, they've played outside their means for sure. I mean, you look at it and they really don't have a ton of like big players, but they're making it work somehow and squeaking out some close wins. And like John said, they're, they've won, they haven't lost a game in a month. Um, it's, it's, it's good to see that team. And I don't know if they'll be the, the leader in the NFC East, um, because I think the Redskins could potentially squeak that out with Alex Smith. Uh, they're playing better, and it's it's good to see because uh, New York's been a joke for too long. Um, and then one more thing is my foolish pick that came out of this game is the Seahawks might be one and done in the playoffs, and it's strictly because their defense is so terrible. And if Russ is flat-footed and doesn't you know put up a couple of touchdowns quick, they could you know lose the first playoff game and um, – it surprised everybody because at the beginning of the year, they were favorites to Super Bowl, NFC Championship, deep playoff run, you know, whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out too. Yep. Fair enough. Mark, any takeaways from this game? Yeah, I'll keep it short. I think this definitely says more about the Seahawks than it does the Giants. Um, I'm, I've noticed like every year the Seahawks lose a couple of games they shouldn't. And I want to chalk that up to this, but Justin's right. Over the last few weeks, they just haven't looked themselves on offense. And I think that might be an issue going into the playoffs, especially when defenses get better um, and weather gets worse. But I, I honestly think they were just overlooking the Giants a little bit in this game, and it was kind of like a wake-up uh, for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they bounce back next week and play amazing. Fair enough. Um, well, I, I'm I'm going to say this, and this is, this is organic because it wasn't my thing at the beginning, but one of my foolish takes, um, the Giants might actually be super underrated. So they started the season out 0-5. They're now 5-7, and so 5-2 and ever since. The two games that they've lost, they lost by one point and by two points. Uh, at the beginning of the year, they lost to the Steelers by 10. Okay, fair enough. Uh, got blown out by the 49ers, but that's honestly their only bad loss. They've Every single game has been one score outside of those. 
Um, and, and honestly, I guess to take the foolish take a, even a little further, Joe Judge had kind of done like Brian Flores as for the Dolphins and kind of replicated the Belichick system to a very small degree so far. Because if you think about it, like the Giants are in a similar situation as the Patriots. Daniel Jones has been their leading rusher all year, unless Gallman has finally passed them. But uh, but like they, they don't really have a great quarterback situation. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like the, the roster is just overflowing with talent, yet somehow they're finding a way to win games and, and be right in the competition with everybody. So um, an, an impressive start off for Joe Judge and the way they're heading, especially if we haven't mentioned they won today's game with Colt McCoy, not Daniel Jones. Uh, but, but yeah, just a really good turnaround here. Uh, we're going to sell into our first break and then we're going to come back with some quick hits for the the rest of the games that you guys have saw today. And welcome back to the football fools podcast. We just witnessed the Sunday night game finish up and what, I would, could only expect would be kind of a surprise as the Broncos lost to the Chiefs 22-16. to 16. Uh, A six-point deficit at the end of this one. We saw the, the Broncos were able to lead at certain points of this game and, and come back in. Uh, but o- overall, Chiefs still found a way to get a victory, run the clock out at the end. Uh, so, so, Mark, after facing off with your team last week, what do you think about this Broncos team keeping close with the Chiefs tonight? You know, this is the Broncos team I wanted to play last week. So that way when the Saints won, I, I would have had something to brag over. I mean, it was night and day, obviously. Having your quarterback in is a big difference. Um, I would like to state, though, on that last drive, where Noah Fant kind of rounded off his route instead of keeping it vertical down the field, Alberto wouldn't have done that. <laughs> never. Absolutely. So They have that chemistry. He never would have done that to lock and hung him out to draw. Anything yeah. surprising in the game, though, Mark, besides the obvious? Um, how well your guys' defense held up in the red zone? I think that was like the storyline of the game for me. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a big defensive guy. I love watching defenses play. And your guys' defense looked amazing in the red zone. Um, And I'm not even going to blame it on on the Chiefs just being slightly off. I think you guys forced them out of their comfort zone in a lot of ways. Well, did you notice that Tyreek had a touchdown that was not called? (laughs) Two touchdowns. Yes, yes, Uh, but that wasn't a red zone play. So, you know, it doesn't affect my – my uh, take on your red zone defense there. Um, did you yes. uh, did you notice any particular uh, defensive player playing better than others, perhaps? <laughs> um, no, no. I think it was a good team effort. Not going to single out anybody on the Broncos defense right now. I will. Uh, Shelby Strap Harris, uh, back from COVID, had uh, two batted down passes and it was three. Oh, three. And what is an NFL record or was it he's leading the NFL he's right now? The NFL. Yeah. Someone who's not named Aaron Donald, uh, Keem Hicks, JJ Watt, uh, the like. Um, one that probably nobody knows wasn't even on the was on the Broncos for the last couple of years and almost wasn't on the Broncos this year. Had uh, probably the biggest impact on them having four field goals in the red zone today. And I, I don't know if, if you guys saw this play. I know Justin did. I don't know if Mark saw it. <laughs> Shelby, there was a play where Tyreek Hill caught the ball in the backfield, and Shelby, Shelby Harris tackled him 30 yards downfield. And this is a D-tackle. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he he went, he ran down field on like I said on his first game back from COVID. Uh, ran down the fastest player in the NFL and tackled him out of bounds. It was pretty impressive. Can't uh, think of a single player on the Saints or Steelers defense that would do anything uh, similar. Definitely not Cameron Hayward, um, and definitely not like uh, what is it? Who's your who's your Cam uh, Jordan? Cam Jordan, Cam yeah. Jordan. yeah. Because, because Shelby Harris is like you know I'm not just here to to run up the stats playing two bad teams a year, you know. I'm here to show up for the important games and to make sure that we only lose by six. If he's not a pro bowler, it was rigged. <laughs> um, but, uh, hey, any Ryan, really quick, since you're on the show again, uh, back on the show for the third time, our Stives podcast, Ryan Stiber. Um, did you notice any particular offensive player that was probably having an above average game, you would think? Well, I'm just trying to figure out what we're doing here. Are, are we – are we giving out most improved awards? Why are we talking yeah. about the Broncos? Because they're not in the playoffs, and they almost just beat almost okay the defending Super Bowl champs. It's a big deal, man. When you beat the when you beat the Super Bowl, the reigning Super Bowl champs, you can talk to me. Yeah, is it is it more impressive to talk about a team who sucked out a miserable five point victory against a backup quarterback, or a team that stayed within the NFL champs in a totally unexpected manner? I mean, it's basically the same thing. Drew Locke is terrible. He's not your guys' quarterback. You guys need a new one. You'll draft one. If uh, you listened to us last week, I said the exact same things. Keep preaching, brother. Dude, <laughs> Locke is bad. Judy needs a quarterback. He didn't throw to Judy till the fourth quarter. He he's bad. And uh you can tell he's just he's uh I don't know if he's too small or just scared, but he's not the guy. Uh obviously I'm a little biased. I have a jersey, but Mason Rudolph is better than Drew Locke. <laughs> he uh, he could be scared because he looks like he's about 14, so that could potentially be something. I agree. Um, but uh, Judy was also hurt this week, so that's why we, me and John were talking about literally seconds before you text me that. We were just talking about it, and he was on a – we were thinking he was on a snap count because he was hurt and uh, on, the injured, on the injury report this whole entire week. Um, yeah, so we thought we with that. I saw that, and, I, and I, that's why I texted you because I, I was at work and I, I, I start, I had to start him in fantasy this week, and dude, I saw he had zero points and like no targets, like, like halftime, and I was just like, "What is going on? Please just yeah. do something." Well, you should. You had the wrong Broncos. <clears throat> Broncos star receiver was the problem. Um, Tim Patrick I, having two touchdowns, and then you have the audacity to come in here as a Steelers fan and question his abilities. So I want to hear a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, Tim Tim Patrick. I sorry, I stuttered his name. I Timothy. I, to you. I haven't really ever said it before. Uh, <laughs> but man, is he? I had no idea. I there's no words. I was. I don't know if I was wrong. I never said anything. I just never heard of the guy. Well, okay. So to put this in perspective, everyone listening. Um, Mark, I'm gonna ask you a question. Ryan, listen up here though, because I'm gonna I'm gonna learn you some knowledge. Um, let me ask you a random question, Mark. Who do you think has more 100 100 yard receiving games this year? Okay, between Timothy Patrick, Broncos Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer, or the entire uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers receiving court. Ooh, I'm I'm gonna go with Timmy Patrick just because I feel like this is a loaded question. So and, that's, uh, that's my okay. final answer. Okay, and Ryan, what do you think between those two? 
Probably Tim Patrick because Pittsburgh's so overly beast and have about four future Hall of Famers at the receiving core. Okay, well, you're both wrong because uh, they're equal. So Tim Patrick has 300-yard receiving games this year, and that's as many as the starting receivers for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It'd be funny if it was like 9-0 to zero Steelers, though, and it was just a total trick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of I baited both you guys into that, but we, we were looking at it, and as soon as you texted me and said, uh, I said, Tim Patrick's a beast, and he said, stop. I looked it up, and I was like, John, look up uh, receiving how many 100-yard receiving yards the, the Steelers' combined receiving core has, and it's, it's equivalent. So – you guys are trash. I'll say it again. I'll say it once and I'll say it again. Big Ben sucks. No. You know what's funny about that, though? Is uh, last game, uh, yeah, it was against the Ravens, this last game. He, uh, dude, he threw, and my number could be off. He threw like for 58 times, I think. And it was like 244 yards passing. Uh, Big like, Ben? Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was like, oh my gosh, that's weird. And then I, I saw like, Robert Griffin, 33 yards passing. I was like, what kind of trash game was going on just now? <laughs> you didn't see Trace McSorley, his stats? I hate – dude. Okay, so for everyone listening, I, I'll make it quick. I live in Pennsylvania. Everyone here is all Penn State throughout the state. Penn State, oh, yeah. Penn State, Penn State. And, dude, McSorley, in his final years here, I just moved here, and I was telling everyone how awful he is. They ran a draw every play. So to see McSorley go in there, and I guess he did pretty good, but uh, I was not rooting for him, that's for sure. So, Ryan, I have another trivia question for you. With a, with a minimum of five passing attempts on the season, which quarterback has the higher passer rating, Trace McSorley or Pat Mahomes? It's got to be McSorley because he, I think he did pretty well. That is correct. He is another goat. He also got a. He also was the first quarterback uh, in Ravens history to throw a touchdown to uh, Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too extreme, but the Ravens might have a quarterback controversy on their hands yeah. at this point. You know? <laughs> Robert Griffin could be the starter. <laughs> hey, uh, so we're gonna move on from the Broncos game because there's, you know, obviously we could talk about it for hours, and it was really impressive for the Broncos and uh, really embarrassing for the Chiefs there, even though they won. Um, so we're going to go to the Steelers game because we've, we've been trying to do this, this part of the podcast for like, it feels like five days now. Um, and we were having scheduling issues with our sides because we always like to talk and hear about his, uh, his Steelers input. Uh, Ryan, what'd you think about your terrible game on Thursday or on Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday? Jeez. Um, it's pretty pathetic. And it's just, man, if you guys want to start a new podcast and talk about how people say the Steelers are overrated is absolutely amazing how like pathetic people are but um it, it was a trash game for sure but it's the nfl dude anything could happen and you're not gonna have and it was about 25 degrees outside not that that's an excuse but still man it's, it's ugly football but if you can escape with a win that's what it's all about yeah i was just telling john how like obviously trash your guys's team is and how you haven't i texted you the other day and said you guys haven't played anybody and your response was just say it man you want us to play the chiefs and yeah. uh, and you probably won't get the chance because you guys are going to be one and done in the playoffs. Hot Not take, true. yeah, because you guys are about to go thirteen and three, and you're gonna, you're going to you're going to lose the division to the Browns right at the end of the final five games. 
So you guys are going to lose to the Washington Redskins. You heard that, or Washington football team, excuse me. You heard it here first. Big Ben throwing ducks. It looks like Peyton Manning circa 2015 out there right now and uh, less talent on the offense as well. Um, no running back, no running game. Uh, even worse once James Conner went out. And uh, you're about to go up against the number one pass defense in the NFL and probably one of the most stout front fours in the NFL as well. And uh, I'm curious to see how it is. It's really Alex Smith versus your defense. That's that's the game. That's the storyline. It's not Ben's going to be invisible. Well, dude, what's scary is we've lost Devin Bush and we've lost Dupree yeah. for the year. And mm-hmm. that what's crazy is we still have eight. I was going to cuss just now. We have yeah. eight. Good job. You're ball- learning from the pod. We have, we have eight ballers on the defense. Like, dude, to lose those two who are gr- pro bowlers. And, dude, we have TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Tuit. And I, Tuit, I got, is he playing tomorrow? Anyone know? Uh, I haven't heard yet. I'm, I haven't been, I haven't been paying attention. I don't know. Anyway, Watt, Tuit, Hayward, uh, Joe Hayden on the ball. Uh, dude, it's, it's crazy. These guys are good, man. Well, Minka Fitzpatrick, have- yeah. I'd have to say, like, I'm not picking Washington to win or anything, but I think they're a team that certainly seems to be able to make a game ugly in a good way. Like, they they have Gibson, who's kind of emerging. Like, they can chew up the clock, giving him the ball 30 times a game. And then you have the – you have a pretty solid defense, defense of my head coach with Rivera. And then they have the check down king, Alex Smith, who can, you know, not – it's not going to hurt you going down the field, but he knows how to move the chains and, and keep the ball away. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be super surprised if it wound up being ugly, kind of like the the Raven game was. And it, it wound up being, you know, maybe Pittsburgh went by, by seven, but it's just not a super pretty game to watch. I, I think you're right. And, uh, dude, I, I love Washington. I always have. I have a Clinton Portis jersey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I love them. And, uh, but Dan Snyder has to die <laughs> for them to ever win. Foolish take. I love it. Oh <laughs> if the Redskins ever want to be good, he's got to die. That's fair. Or Big Ben. Uh, he can go down in scandal, but it'd have to be pretty bad at this point if he's not already. Yeah, that's true. So. Look at the Raiders. The Ra- Al Davis had to die for them to do anything. <laughs> For them to, to, if he if he was still alive, they wouldn't have completed that winning touchdown pass today. Exactly right. Wow. Well, I'm excited to watch your team lose, uh, drop two in a row, um, starting with Washington and then the Bills next Sunday night. Um, it's going to be uh, an exciting two weeks for everybody that's not a Steelers fan. <laughs> going to be good. Um, yeah, we're we're due for a a garbage loss, so it's coming. I'm sure. Yeah, you're gonna go thirteen and three, and then drop to the Browns at the end of the year. Three in a row, man. No, not three in a row. You're gonna lose two in a row, and then you're gonna lose your last game of the year against the Browns, and they're gonna take the division. When we sit everyone, <laughs> huh? Said when we sit everyone because we already got see, the one seed. See, normally, if you guys were convincingly good, you would sit everybody in week sixteen. But because you're not convincing, you're gonna have to start all your players at in week seventeen um, to to compete for the their, your the lead spot in your division against the Browns. Hey, I, I have a good uh, real question. And yeah. it, say we lose one game, or say the Chiefs okay. lose another one, we both end the season at 14-2. and two. Do they go by strength of schedule? We both have garbage schedules. Who wins the tiebreaker? Are you talking about the Chiefs? It Chiefs depends uh, where your losses come. If they're inside the division, the conference. Mm-hmm. 
It, it got the division record as the first one. Even if you're not in the same division. Yeah, so if they if they sweep their division and you lose a game to the Browns, they'll overtake you. Okay. Um, and well, then the, right, guys, but that, the Chiefs lost within division. Their loss was to the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying hypothetically. <laughs> um, and then it goes to conference. So it, your record in the AFC – and then it goes to strength of schedule after that. Yeah, and I, okay. everyone wants to say uh, how soft the uh, Steelers' schedule is. Schedule. Well, it's been the softest. Chiefs had a softer schedule, if you didn't know. What are you talking about? They played the Broncos twice this year. Yeah, yeah I know. You're, and, you're, look and at the records. Games. Look at the records of the strength of schedule. And they played the Saints coming up. So, I, I don't know how accurate that is. Yeah. Well, take, take a look at the numbers. They, uh, All they do is Sorry. Last week when I saw it, it was uh, Pittsburgh's uh, opponents were like 36 or 35 and something, and the Chiefs were like 33 and 50-something. Yeah, but you guys suck. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, we, we watched the Chiefs win a Super Bowl last year, so they get a little bit of, of grace this, off of it. This is a very biased podcast. What are you talking about, man? We we have a Steelers fan on all the time. Oh, it's actually <laughs> – we're allowing you to to defend your your side of everything. You're just wrong. It's not that. It's also, you know, a very cultural podcast. I like it. Okay, culturally diverse. Yeah, yeah. We have a little bit of everybody on. Someone from Mississippi. Someone from California. Someone from Louisiana. We got a little bit of everything. Yeah, and we, we invite we, we invite very different guests on uh, all the time. Yeah, of different levels of education and what what did uh, what Joe Biden say last week? Uh, he he actually hasn't been able to come on because the podcast usually airs a little late after the games are done. So. Yeah, so we're we're still ironing out a good time for that. Yeah, we're okay. supposed to have Bill Belichick on this week, but for uh, unforeseen reasons, he couldn't get the he couldn't get his dress hoodie in time. It was at the cleaners, so he won't be on the show. Yeah, he has uh, a hard time signing the Madden contract, so I would imagine he'd give you guys a hard time money wise for it. Yeah, so you see, you understand. You must have tried to get him on your show previous to this. Yeah. That makes sense. Be quite resistant. Uh, so, guys, let, let's uh, do a little quick fire on the other games of the day since we've kind of taken out the the big ones. Um, and since we're just talking about them, let, let's go right on to the the Patriots and Chargers game, where uh, if not the most surprising game of the day, certainly the most surprising score. The Patriots get a forty-five to zero win. Coming into this game, I, I was all over the Patriots. I had bet on them. I was convinced it was Bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn, and the Chargers were favored. So that that was the easiest bet of all time. If you, you didn't have to be told that one, so if you didn't take advantage of it, sorry, you're a stupid person. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so Patriots got it forty-five nothing. But I actually have a foolish take out of this, and it involves both teams in this game. And I, I actually believe this may have been a, a rumor that was circulating about a week or two ago, but despite the massive victory today, Bill Belichick was coaching the incorrect team in this game. Belichick should go and become the Chargers coach after this year. They have everything ready-made in place. They have the star quarterback. They have a really good defense, good receivers, good good backs, good everything. If the Chargers were willing to spend the money, Belichick has earned whatever he wants in New England. If he was ready to leave – and Kraft does seem like uh, a loyal enough guy and honorable. Not, I don't know if honorable is the right word, considering everything he's done. But he does seem like he would value uh, 
the the loyalty and what Belichick has brought enough that if something like that happened and their franchise wasn't moving the right way, that he would allow him to leave. So I think that'd be a, a really interesting thing from that. I was, I'm just ju- judging Justin's expression, so I'm going to bring him in on that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, that's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. I just don't see Robert Kraft ever moving on. Um, uh, Belichick would have to drive it. Yeah, a hundred percent. That that because Robert Robert Kraft's in love with Bill Belichick. Um, I also think Belichick's uh, old, so I don't know if he'd do that. But he could. Well, I mean, he knows. You mean like change or still coach? Like still, co- I don't know if he'd go somewhere else. Like, uh, well, that's what they said about Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady's a quarterback; he's not a coach. But uh, yeah, make but, it easier. Uh, but uh, but I'll uh, go on the other side of myself. Joe Gibbs or someone like that. They're old. Pete Carroll come back. So who knows? Yeah, they should dust off Joe Gibbs again and bring him back. <laughs> I would go with Belichick. Let's just, let's get him over there. I still said I'm still going to stick with Robert Sala from the Niners, the defensive coordinator from the Niners, getting that job. That makes sense. He's in staying in California, uh, bigger, better stadium. But it's actually in the city that it's named after, not like the Niners currently because they're playing in Arizona and their regular stadiums in San Jose. So it's a little confusing. Um, yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool. Robert Solid would drop a new, like, as equally of good of a defense with the Chargers. So, uh, if not better when they're all healthy, but, um, Bill Belichick's definitely interesting. The offensive, uh, point you brought up is a little more appealing, I guess, with Bill Belichick there for sure. Yeah. Ultimately, like, if he, if he just ultimately determined, like, we're just not going to be bad enough because I'm such an amazing coach to get a good quarterback here. So maybe I do have to go somewhere where that quarterback is in place and I and that's underachieving and I can make everything better. Yeah, well, Anthony Lynn's doing everything possible in his power to make that. Uh, like, let's just if the if the Chargers have Bill Bell and everyone answer this and if you want to go a sentence or two, fine. But you can just say a number. How many games out of the full sixteen game season this year would you say the Chargers would have won if Bill Belichick was their head coach? Start with Justin. Ten. Okay, Brian. Yeah, I'll say ten as well. Mark, uh, I think eight and eight. You think they're you think they're either just at five hundred? Yeah, they still have a rookie quarterback, so there's only so much you can do to overcome that. I, I think they could go eleven and five if you had the greatest coach of all time, and you had a like assuming Herbert would have the season he's had under the great Anthony Lynn that he would have with Bill Belichick. You know that I I think they could could easily win ten or eleven and, and, with the the talent they have, and they had a lot of close games. Yep. Well, uh, like four of them were lost by literally just bad coaching. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they they probably would not have even become close games if they had Belichick coaching. Like they they if they were playing the Bucks and he got to go against Brady that game, they were running away. Like that's over. There's so many that are just over. Yeah, but but yeah. Um. So any uh, guys, any other takeaways with the Patriots or the Chargers, or should we move on to the Eagles back game? You know what? I'm I have, good. I have something to add to that foolish tangent that we just went on. Um, go for it. I really want to see Bill Belichick go to the Falcons just so he can play Brady twice a year. Oh, no hey, other reason. I want to see Belichick That's, go uh, to the Falcons because the Falcons are so damn bad. Like, on, <laughs> on pay, everyone's a Falcons fan. There's no reason to not like the Falcons. We all love Julio Jones. We all love Calvin Ridley. They have Todd Gurley. They have a nice setup going. And they are just so terrible. I don't understand it. It like drives me nuts. And I'm not, I couldn't imagine being an Atlanta fan because I'm pissed off and I don't even care for them. 
<laughs> we were <laughs> you missed it on the first half, Ryan, because we, we did the first half of the podcast today uh, before the night game. Um, we were talking about how Matt Ryan could go to somewhere like the Bears, the Jags, or the Colts next year. Yeah, Probably. just because they suck so bad. Yeah, pro- they. I don't. I don't get it, dude. And I. I don't think Matt Ryan's bad. I think. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the problem is. They are just terrible. Well, well hopefully we'll see next year when it's a, everything changes up. But yeah, right now they suck for sure. <clears throat> yeah, speaking speaking of uh, sucking for sure, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Oh, they uh, non surprisingly lost another game today. Packers finished them off thirty to sixteen. Uh, Devontae Adams had his usual beast game to two more touchdown catches. Um, but, but the biggest thing, the, the Eagles finally determined that Carson Wentz has sucked enough and he was benched during the second half and Jalen Hurts came in and looked pretty good. So heading into to next week and we'll, we'll go with the, the Pennsylvania guy, even though it's not his team. Uh, Ryan, what do you expect to see Jalen Hurts starting for the Eagles next week? And should he be their starter at this point? Oh man, probably. I mean, they have nothing to lose. I don't see why. Why not? Um, my my neighbor here. I'm kind of going off a little bit, but here we go. My neighbor came at me the <laughs> other day. He's a Ravens fan. He goes, "Who do you think the best quarterback in the NFC East is?" And I told him, and he said, "Active." So you couldn't pick Prescott. And uh, I said, "Carson Wentz." And he goes, "Oh, how could you say that? He has the most turnovers as a quarterback this year." And I was like, dude, and he said Daniel Jones. And he's not technically active either, so he's wrong too. Yeah. Well, well, tell me <laughs> this is a week ago. Uh, it, was, it was last Sunday and uh, or okay. Monday. And uh, But I said Carson Wentz because I know he's doing bad, but I don't think – they're all trash. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to stick up for Philadelphia. But uh, I think NFC East, I think Carson Wentz is still the – man of the NFC East, I guess, because I think Daniel Jones is worse. Yep. I mean, the, the correct answer, if uh, Prescott doesn't qualify, is they, there just may not be any <laughs> good quarterbacks in that division at this point, uh, at least obviously. Yeah, well, I think they start Jalen Hurts just because what 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 is the NFC East, the, the shiny turd that is the NFC East, um, is out of reach. They might as well start Hurts, and I guess, like they said on TV tonight, see what they have in Hurts, but we talked about it last week. They're, if they moved off of once this year, it just seems impossible because they would lose close to $60 million, uh, in the first year if they moved off once, and then another 29 so almost $100 million in two years if they moved off once. And, and uh, let, me, let me add on to that because that, that was something that just stuck out to me today. Um, but we, we've talked about it on the on the podcast in the past, and we, we don't like to give bad information it really is basically financially impossible for the Eagles to move on from Wentz as bad as they would want to. But if you think of it that way, they drafted Jalen Hurts after they had signed Wentz to this contract. I get that the dude has been hurt, but their team is underachieving. They obviously had a lot of needs. And what kind of sense does it make that they drafted a player in the second round that they basically aren't going to be able to use. And the only way they can use him a lot is if they bench their most expensive player. Like it, it just was not a wise move by them at all. And if Hertz is really good, so be it, but just not, a, not a smart move by that organization at all. Yeah, I agree with that. And let me just add on to what Justin said, because I think this is extremely interesting, but yes, the giants at five wins 
are unreachable by the Eagles with three wins. So you might as well just move on at this point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, there's no, there's no point. You're not competing for the NFC East anymore with three wins. Uh, it's, I mean, you it just are. makes all the sense in the world. <clears throat> well, they, I mean, technically, but like I said, I, I think it's, I think you guys are about to lose to the, uh, to the, the Washington the, football the team. Eagles seem like the worst team in it. Yeah, like like the most dep- even the Cowboys with all the stuff they've been through, the Eagles seem like the most depressing team in that division. Yeah, which is sure. saying a lot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially the last two weeks they've dropped. Yeah. Which, which I, I don't hate saying that. No, I, I'm I, I'm not against it. I like Carson Wentz; he's a good guy. But um, the Eagles just seem dysfunctional at every level in the organization, and that uh, trickles down I'm, onto the field. I'm not a huge fan. Nothing personal, though. Wentz. Yeah, just never running his. He's a nice guy. I, I just like him because okay, so. Uh, Sorry to bar off there, but um, when he was right when he was drafted, uh, obviously they get paid you know a decent chunk. He left like a, he left some waiter like a thousand dollar tip because his friends were being a little rowdy and he wasn't being rowdy. But they went to some bar or something like right after well, he got doesn't drafted. Doesn't sound like much of a leader. Maybe that's why they drafted a quarterback in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> well, he left a thousand dollars, so he's at least generous <laughs> with his money that he has so much of now. So um, I I just think he's a nice guy, but. Um, go ahead, John. What's the next one? Yeah, sure thing. Let's uh, let's pivot off to our, our next game, doing some quick hits here. The the Jets actually looked like they were trying to win a game today, and then <laughs> then Mark sent a very um, accurate picture of what their defense was like on this last play, where they sent a basically an all out blitz and left like a safety who clearly could not run on Henry Ruggs. So that definitely seemed like a tanking move, but actually. My weekly MVP, I do not know the guy's name. Number 38 for the Jets, the dude who was responsible for guarding rugs on that play. He's the only reason. He saved them Trevor Lawrence. The Jets were going to lose out potentially on Trevor Lawrence if he did not blow that coverage. So if we look back years from now, Jets have multiple Super Bowls and they're, they're the new it franchise of the NFL. We have number 38 to thank. You're the weekly MVP. Yeah, you'll notice him. Uh, we'll be talking. They'll be talking about him. Uh, come April next year, whenever they are drafting Trevor Lawrence, like remember that one play that whatever his name is made or didn't make, They're like it's yeah, not in the league. Anymore. You're welcome. Yeah, that guy that's not that's on the team anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyone else jump in if you have any takes on the Raiders or Jeff? I think Waller's the best tight end in the NFL. Second best tight end in the NFL. Yeah, if he would have caught the first touchdown in the game, I would agree, but he didn't and decided to rub it in my face with 200 yards and two touchdowns after I lost my bet. So, huh. All right, <laughs> next, next game, quick hits. We got the, Col- the Colts and the Texans. So 26 to 20, Colts were able to pull out a victory. Um, but it looked like Houston were marching down, and they were ready to take this game from them. Had a fumble. That, that's usually how it works out when you're a terrible team. You find ways to lose instead of ways to win. Um, however, I do find it interesting kind of combined with the Titans losing today. I thought this had shifted last week, but now with the Titans and Colts, both at eight and four, it is really interesting to look in that division. Tennessee sets up as a really good road team because they have Henry who, who can run the ball, eat a lot of clock, dominate games that way. And Andy is the exact opposite with Bill Rivers. They absolutely have to have a home game if they have any chance of moving on from the first round of the playoffs. They will not go on the road and beat anybody. Pretty much my only takeaway from that one. What about you, Justin? Um, yeah, I agree. And I've said that a couple times about the Colts over the over the course of the show. But um, it, it's really – they just – they can't play a good defense. 
in, in the playoffs. And like I said, mistakenly last week, if they played someone like the Redskins with a sneaky good defense, they'd be one and done. Uh, I know they can't play them in the playoffs. That's why it was mistaken. But um, yeah, exactly. They, uh, if they play a good defense first game, they're, they're one and done, just like the Seahawks would be if they played a good, uh, played a good defense. Um, Mar- Mark or Ryan, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think about that game? Does anyone else, it, when Phillip Rivers throws the ball, it looks like it hurts him so bad. He, he's, he's that <laughs> ugly when he throws it. Yeah, he has the his, worst throwing motion. His currently. normal throwing motion is the throwing motion that Kyler Murray had a couple weeks ago when he was hurt on the sidelines <laughs> and was trying to stretch his shoulder. Yeah. He has the same motion as Philip Rivers. He has the same motion as like someone that professionally shot puts, which is <laughs> weird because the ball is not 20 pounds. Um, it, but he makes it look like it, right? It's terrible, and I've always hated it. So I'm yeah, glad someone finally said it besides me. I just had to comment on that. And also, real quick on the Colts, my – Player on the decline rose to the occasion today and totally redeemed himself. T.Y. Hilton. On the yeah, verse. actually, he did. Yeah. That's, that's all right. He, you're mostly right about that one still. I'll give you that. Yeah. Come but back. Definitely, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was pretty. He, had a, he, he did have a pretty big game, actually. Uh, and if it was probably from anybody but Philip Rivers, we would have heard about it. Um, but yeah, they, uh, Definitely brought him back to life for sure. And their other receivers aren't even hurt right now, so it was kind of strange. It wasn't by it wasn't by uh, it wasn't from need. They actually just went to him. It's kind of strange. Using your best receiver, weird. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, next next game I have on the on the list here, the Vikings and Jags. Uh, Jacksonville actually. This, this is if you you don't follow them closely enough. This is actually a pretty competitive team for as bad as their record is. Multiple weeks in a row, they've covered the spread and kept games close. They actually won me kind of a good bit of money by keeping this game close today. Uh, so so that worked out. But kind of a weak apology island for me. Not a lot. Um, I guess I don't feel super sorry this week. But I guess it's Mike Glennon because I feel like he played kind of good today. Like he, he threw, threw a pick and everything, but it looked like a couple of the throws for someone who hasn't played in a couple of years that he stepped in confidently and he, he kept them in the game. Um didn't make it like a sideshow or anything when they had Vladimir Luton in for a couple of weeks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, kept, kept it competitive, but not, not a whole lot from that game. Disappointed Dalvin Cook didn't score, but uh, about, about all for me on that. Uh, Mark, in, any takes from that, that terrible game? Um, I refuse to watch it. Um, <laughs> one, because I bet on it and I checked the score way more than I've ever checked any score this year. Because I don't know how the Vikings were so close to losing this game. It was driving me crazy. Um, And I should have known better than to bet on the Vikings. But I figured if they lost, it would just give me one more reason to hate them. And I kind of wanted them to lose. Yep. They they tried their best. Yeah, they really did. Thank God for Justin Jefferson. Right. Rookie wide receiver of the last 35 years, apparently, according to ESPN. Yeah. Um, Did you see that stat? He's the only uh, other rookie through like eleven games or twelve games. Him and Randy Moss to have a thousand yards. Oh, Vikings! And you—they say the Steelers can draft receivers. <laughs> Jeez, Dude, it, it hurts me to say this, but Kirk Cousins is so bad. It is almost—it's almost funny now. Like, cause just every, seems like it's hurting you. Every week is the same exact thing. Where he throws a pick six, and then he they show him unbuckling his chin strap, 
and he's just like, gosh darn it, because you know he's like, <laughs> you know he's like a family man and like doesn't cut yeah. anything, right? And uh, yeah, he's just like, gosh darn it, not again, and just <laughs> every goddamn week that shit happens. And then like last last year, uh, Diggs like called him out, and then Cousins was like, yeah, he's right, I played terribly. <laughs> Oh, uh, it, it sucks because I like the guy, but Jesus, he's so bad. He's you mean nice. No, no, he's bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not wrong. That's what makes me not want to ever touch a Vikings game. So I didn't even, I didn't even bet on it, even though I thought they were going to win. Yeah. They're, they're they're exactly like the Falcons. You you think on paper and their their names, and you think, oh man, these guys are hot biscuits. And then, <laughs> And then it's like, oh my gosh, this team is so terrible. Why? They, they actually back to five hundred today. Shockingly, yeah. Go figure. I mean, the Vikings aren't terrible, but they're not going better win. than the Steelers. They seem sure. like they should be terrible, though. So, <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, but 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 a couple of teams that are a little more obviously terrible, uh, and one a game where I just don't see how you feel confident betting on either of these teams. The Lions had kind of a really weird comeback against the Bears and won 34 to 30. Um, and, and I guess uh, I, I guess my danger zone comes from this game, but it extends to other games. And it's just – it's time for bad coaches to watch out. And Matt, Matt Nagy is on that list at this point. Uh, the, the Bears team has just totally lost any, any confidence. They don't play with any swagger whatsoever. And it seems like their once great defense is now just tired of being the only side of the ball carrying its weight and that they're not playing with that much spirit anymore. And so it, it certainly seemed like a, a really uh, kind of telling game for how they feel about their coach to me. Yeah, there's only so much Mitch the Great can do when he comes off the bench two weeks ago and decides to be the starting quarterback or uh, whatever you want to call him, a quarterback. I, I, at this point, they should probably trade for Kendall Hinton and uh, just wish for the best. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was, I was just now I'm on a quarterback tangent, but I was just going to say, even though he played okay today, Mitch Trubisky's garbage too. You wouldn't take him in uh, Pittsburgh as the heir apparent? No, I'd, I'd rather not. I'd rather start Mason Rudolph. All right, fair enough. Hot take. Mark, what do you what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I had the Bears winning this game, and I put a small bet on it because you know I like to gamble. You like to obviously, yeah, and I probably shouldn't bet on games. But when the Lions came back and won this game, I really wanted them to bring back Matt Patricia just so I could get my money back. <laughs> um, and and then you can fire him again. I really don't care. But I, I'm surprised that the Lions even moved the ball on the Bears' defense. What is going on with their defense? On paper, they have this great defense, and it just doesn't seem to be showing. Will Mack doesn't play hard anymore. That's that's a thing. I, I think it's like almost kind of how the Broncos' defense was last week. When you realize you don't have a quarterback, you're just like, eh, we're going to lose this game and give up. And I feel like that's the Bears' defense Bears right have now. to do that 16 games a year? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I think Khalil Max being a little more uh probably being smarter than we're giving him credit for here. He's trying to uh to pout his way out of the team. Uh that's really the only way you can get out of a team in the NFL now is pouting. Um you can't you can't say anything on social media because you get fined. So if you, you can just, Antonio Brown your way out of there. Yeah, but I don't think Khalil Max is that kind of guy. He's not that he doesn't have that type of character. He's not gonna punch somebody or call out his GM that just gave him a, you know eighty million dollars. Um he's just gonna play Slow, 
And uh, eventually they'll just be like, why do we trade a first for this dude? Yeah, get out of here. And uh, he'll go to uh, the Broncos and win a Super Bowl. <laughs> a quick side note, fantasy yeah. alert. Mm. Uh, Cordero Patterson scored today, 50 yards. Uh, you can start him at running back or receiver in fantasy. Hey, that's actually uh, in line with my – what was it? My, advi- my gambling or my fantasy advice two weeks ago, I think. I said, I said that. I was talking – it was right before Taysom became the starter. Uh, or maybe the, after the first game, I said pick up Taysom Hill or Cordell Patterson because they both play multiple positions, and you can start them at tight end or or running back and get points for everything they do. So, yeah. I like. It. At at what point does Cam Newton qualify as running back as well? Because they they ran a stat today across the board that he's the first quarterback since 1960 who has thrown at least 200 passes and has more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> he also has 11 he has 11 rushing touchdowns this year it's yeah, yeah it is i'm insane. surprised uh mike vick didn't do that but yeah. that that's another thing on belichick though i said during this game today where belichick has basically told cam newton like look we don't need you to play quarterback you don't actually have to be one we just need you to not turn the ball over and we're still going to make the playoffs and that and that that's what they've They've changed their team the last three weeks, and what do you not? Yeah, if they could have got, if the Broncos could have got Hinton to do that last week, we'd be in the playoffs too, probably. Who knows? Yeah, former NFL MVP Kendall Hinton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's move on to our last game, and then we'll close out any weekly picks that we've missed. Uh, without without Burrow, this was supposed to be the Burrow and Tua Bowl, but it just wound up being the Tua and uh, the the Bengals nameless quarterback bowl. Brendan. Wow, Allen. former Broncos quarterback Brendan Allen. Yeah, uh, Allen threw that early touchdown, and then shockingly, that was all the Bengals scored all day. Lost seventeen to nine to the excellent Dolphins defense. Dolphins certainly look like they're going to make the playoffs this year. Um, no other ma- major takeaways for me on that one. I just kind of wanted uh, Tua to lose his first game as a starter uh, because remember when he said the NFL was slow? It would have been funny if he had lost to the worst team he had played so far. With a backup. Yeah, with a backup, exactly. And uh, the, the the main takeaway from this game today is that there was five players ejected. <laughs> I, I missed all the fireworks on that front. I mean, I saw Tyler Boyd and Xavier Howard get booted, but I didn't see the other three, but I did see that. Uh, I read that after the game that five players were ejected from that game. And you're gonna not going to believe this. One of them wasn't Vontez Perfect, who actually was arrested this week on, uh, if you can believe it, battery charges. So um, he he's our first ever fool of the week. Yeah. New segment. Vontez Perfect. Not even in the NFL anymore. So uh, any takeaways from, from this game for either of you guys? Yeah, this was probably the most exciting, horrible game I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's just because all of the fights. Yeah. Um, the Boyd uh, Howard like incident, I thought that was a little ticky tack uh, because they just slapped each other. It wasn't even fists or anything like that. So I didn't really think they deserved ejections. But you had coaches going on the field trying to fight players. It was insane. I loved it. <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't watch enough of that game. They they, they maybe I'll make it on like NFL classics or something. It's gotta like be that. better than the Tyson <laughs> than the Tyson Jones fight. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh guys having what? dinner with my parents was better than that fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's uh let, let's I'll give everyone an opportunity. And if you haven't done any of your weekly picks, just roll through the ones you've missed. The only one that I haven't gone through is gambling and fantasy advice. And it's actually kind of the same thing for me. 
uh, this week on both of them. And especially with the season starting to get to the, the winding down phase, pay attention to team motivation, especially when you're betting games. If, if a team has nothing left to play for, uh, I'm not saying don't bet them, but you really need to consider that going into the game. Um, this one actually worked out for me today because it's the Bears and they always find a way to top their own stupidity. But the Lions came back and won. But early in the game, the Bears got out to a lead and I'd bet on Detroit in a couple of teasers. And uh, I was just like, well, yeah, they, they just fired their coach. They don't have anything left to play for. Maybe they're not even trying. So just going forward, rest of the season, um, and it, you know, it might be a situation where you bet on the team who's playing against them if you feel like they're not going to put in any effort. But just something to watch out for. Um, Justin, any picks of yours you haven't gone through this week? Um, yeah, mine was, again, I think I said it like four or five, maybe six weeks ago even, but I'm still just going to reiterate, and it's really the only thing that I have gambling advice for you this week because I lost all my money for a second week in a row. Um, it's to just stay away from the NFC East altogether in betting, whatever whatever it is. If they're the underdog, they're going to win. If they're the favorite, they're going to lose. Uh, if you have a running back on there like Miles Sanders who has put up 50 more or more than 60 rushing yards per game, he won't do it when only when you bet on him. Uh, which I found out the hard way the last two weeks. Um, and I might add the the Vikings in that as well. So um, stay away from betting on the NFC East or the Minnesota Vikings. Um, uh, Ryan, go ahead. And do you have anything you, uh, you missed? Do not bet on the Falcons. Just that's it? That's it. Well, they did win 43 to 6 last week, and then they were lackluster again today. So that, that's got to be. That'd be pretty rough, okay? Uh, Mark, what what were your uh, any picks that you missed this week? All right, so the only thing I missed this week is a new segment that I'm doing, and it's called Mark My Words, brought to you by Mark. I like it. And so I would like to point out that this is going to happen. The two current number one seeds are going to lose out their spot over the next two weeks. Whoa. And that's the Steelers. And the Saints. Last from and I don't want you to think I'm just targeting you, Ryan, because I'm I'm putting the Saints in this boat also. But we're gonna lose in two weeks to the Chiefs and the Packers are gonna overtake us. And the thing I hate the most about this means the Saints will be playing the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so this has serious playoff implications for uh my team. For yours, not so much. Uh but it is a scary sight. I don't want to see it happen, but it's going to happen. Mark my words. Wow, that's a deep that that's a deep uh, deep dive into into the playoff race. He he wrote that down. That was well, good. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Preparation always works out, so that, that that's a good one to to keep a note on. Uh, but yeah, guys, that, that's all we're gonna have for this week, and we'll, we'll be back uh, to cover some of the games next week and, and possibly do some midweek stuff. So please check in with us. Yeah, join us next week when we have uh, Broncos future Hall of Famer defensive tackle uh, Shelby Strap Harris on the show. He had a big week, and we talked to him last week when he was off uh, for COVID that he'd be on the show uh, this following week. So. Go ahead and tune in to hear that next year if you're or next week if you're a huge Broncos fan. And thank you again, Ryan Stiber, for uh, joining us for the third episode. Everybody, go listen to uh, Arch Lives podcast if he ever decides to do a new episode. <laughs> thank you, guys. See ya. Night, guys. Bye. Danger zone.